0: Feed on your flaws. They drain your time. And they never leave you alone. Hey, I need to run a few errands. Can you watch my dog? Again? Some fun in the house of God. <laughs> can you pray with me? I, I know no one can relate to that example. Let's pray and ask God to bless the preaching of His word. Uh, Heavenly Father, please accomplish the purpose for which you send this word. Uh, help us to love as we have been loved by you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, church family, today I wanted to talk to you about the spiritual gift of fault finding. And uh, uh, our framework for this whole discussion comes from the Gospel of Judas, which says, if you have any fault that you see in a brother or sister, make sure they know about it in detail and tell ten other people. Now, the spiritual gift of fault finding, I recognized even at a young age, I had to a large degree. um, I knew how to pick out what was wrong. In fact, I recognized this as I was watching the Cubs game the other day. I figured out what was wrong and it seemed like they didn't care about it. They didn't want to know, but I let them know. You need to hit the ball. Please hit the ball after 13 innings. It would be great if you hit the ball. Now, they did not listen to my advice, but I knew what was wrong. Now, if you cannot tell, I am of... obviously kidding. There is no spiritual gift of fault-finding and or criticism, but what we're doing is we're taking a light-hearted approach to a serious topic, and that's what we're doing in this series called Relational Vampires. And just as vampires have a way of sucking blood and draining the life, so there are sometimes people that are so difficult that you feel drained because of that experience. We need to talk about that a little bit. And um, maybe you've recognized some people with the spiritual gift of fault-finding. They are people who may use phrases such as, I'm just keeping it real. I like to speak my mind. I'm known for speaking my mind. They might use certain phrases. They might say a whole long dialogue of critique and then just add this phrase, just saying. And then my favorite is super passive-aggressive. It goes this way. I hope this doesn't offend you, but nothing good is going to come after that phrase. Yes, there is the uh, fault-finding people, and maybe you see them all around. They, they, They are sometimes at home, a mom or a dad who cannot let anything go, and kids know what I'm talking about because sometimes we don't have it all together, we need a break. Maybe you've actually moved out of the house, and mom and dad is still telling you what to do and how to spend your money and where to live and what car you should drive. It can happen between spouses. Has anyone ever gotten into dialogue over how to load the dishwasher? Is that just me? They make a specific place for the bowls. The glasses do not go there. This is exactly for the bowls to go. I have been gifted with uh, the, the, the spiritual gift of criticism and fault finding. I got to tell you, as I was studying for the sermon, this was very convicting in my own life. So let me ask you, do you know anyone with the spirit of criticism and fault-finding? Anyone? If so, we have some work to do in these moments as we look at the Word of God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to explore the heart of God. And the first thing I want to let you know, especially if you're new to Christianity or maybe new to Amazing Love, is that God is so good his heart's so pure. There is no one more patient, no one more forgiving, no one more compassionate. In his love for us, he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be set free and we are set free. Our salvation is all on him as a free gift. It's not about us. But we have an opportunity to respond to that love. And this God is so good that he says, if, if you want to really follow me, the way to get it right is just simply by loving other people. In fact, some of you may have heard this passage, even if you've never been in church. uh, You might know that we are to love your neighbor as yourself. We call this the golden rule. Have you heard this before? But this is going to be very hard to do if we don't know how to deal with difficult people. This is going to be very hard to do if we find ourselves to be those difficult people. So let's turn to the Word of God, which is the framework for our discussion. Um... Today, we don't have a passage from the Gospel of Judas. By the way, there is no Gospel of Judas. That was a joke. But what we do have is God coming clearly through the words of Paul uh, to Christians in a town called Colossae. And he's talking to them about how to love one another, and that's going to be the framework for our discussion today. We're going to dive deep into the Word of God, have fun discussing it. So I invite you to turn either to the worship folder or to the screen in front of you. Uh, Here, the Word of God says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, we don't have a lot of time to talk about that passage, but if you want to have a conversation topic, why not talk about who God is, what God has said? Why not share on YouTube a a song or something that is encouraging from the realm of God? Use your words to do that. And then whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are the words that we get to consider in these moments. Could you turn to someone next to you and just tell them, bear with, bear with, bear with. Not bear down Chicago Bears, but they are doing really, really well. (laughs) I heard some boos. Anyway. um, Let's have some fun as we explore the word of God. Uh, is there anyone in here who would admit they, they focus and they spend a lot of time um, on how they look? They're also known as shoppers. Would anyone admit they they, they are they are shoppers? They like to shop? Anyone? Okay. Um, I would recognize that even if you wear Carhartt and Camel, that was a concerted choice on your part. Um, but but I am a shopper. My, my wife is a shopper. I actually have this new suit for you today so I can look and bring my best, uh, yes... Uh, that's me. I focus on the beard length and where that's going. Yeah, just you're welcome for all of that. Uh, you, you, you focus on how you look, don't you? And if you've ever focused on how you look, you know that sometimes you got to put certain things aside and put certain things in. For example, bootcut jeans are out, skinny jeans are in. You don't want jeans that are all put together. You want jeans with holes in them, friends, as much fray as possible. That's in style. Um, it, it's interesting that sometimes style is cyclical. Certain things you put away, you bring back out. For example, uh, one one of them would be these bibs. Does anyone remember growing up wearing bibs? And now I guess they are back. I told you I was a shopper. Sorry, guys, we do talk about other things. I bring this up because what you may know about God is he doesn't care if you're in style or not. He doesn't care whether you have a new suit on, an old suit on. For what matters when it comes to God is much more about your heart. What's going on on the inside? And today he uses the language of of style, of getting dressed, of putting certain things off and putting certain things on. And and he's not concerned about skinny jeans, by the way. He says, though, um, and this is what we get to consider, if you want to be spiritually stylish, if you want to look good, you are to put off rage and put on compassion. Those are our takeaways if you're taking notes. You are to put off rage and to put on compassion. We consider this as the Word of God says, one of the verses, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self, and you have put on the new self. So put off all of those things. Now, what he is talking about is something spiritually we understand we call our sinful nature you need to know that all of us are dealing with a constant rebel. There is someone who always wants to do the wrong thing, always wants to fly off the handle, and every now and then we identify with the fact that we have a sinful nature. For me, it happens a lot in the car. I recognize that I have an old man going on. I recognize this. Uh, just on Friday night, I was pulling up to Lockport, where there's a bridge, and it's a it's a highly contested intersection, and and I had no room to get any closer. Um, but there was a guy who wanted to turn right, who lays on the horn, even though I cannot scoot forward for you to get by. I got to tell you, when I heard that horn, I found my former self. I found my old man, and he was vigorous. Now, thankfully, I put him down and said, we are not going to say that and we are not going to do that. We, we put him down, but I felt the experience of that old man. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen him at work? He rears his ugly head when that employee is found doing that, and that is completely wrong. And you're working on the project together, and I am not going to take your blame, so you need to know what's going on. It happens at the home. I've told you a thousand times, stop doing that. And then they keep doing it, biting their nails, not cleaning up, and, and that old man comes out. Do you know it is possible to point out a wrong without getting angry? It is possible to point out the deficiency without flying off the handle. In fact, I was studying a little bit about Asian cultures, and, and I guess in Asian cultures it, it's important not to lose face. And one of the ways that you can lose face is actually by flying off the handle. It's not appropriate to do that in that culture. I think that's also true if you follow Christ. That we should be known for not flying off the handle, getting rid of rage, and putting on compassion. When it comes to putting on compassion, God told us, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, be in style with compassion, kindness. And I was listening to the radio the other day and they were talking about how to be a better people person. And they said one way to do this is not interrupting people when they speak, which is really hard to do if you have a really good thought. It's going to escape me. But don't interrupt people. They said uh, remember names. That if you meet someone new, it's good to jot down a name and and, and remember their name when you see them again. But I think one of the greatest things you can do if you want to really... Be a good people person. Just care about them. Show compassion. In fact, uh, have you ever been at a, a restaurant or working with a company? You can spot the difference between bad customer service and good customer service. When it comes to bad customer service, maybe you've gotten this impression that people are angry that you're there. How dare you make me do my job? Why are you calling? What are you asking for? Have you ever gotten that? Whereas if you have good customer service, what is the example? Like you can sense that they're caring about you. He's actually happy to give his money because there is compassion there. Dear friends, this is more than working for a company. This is more than answering to a boss. I believe we also should be quite evident in how we care for other people. Now, if we do these things, it'll help us from becoming those vampires. But I think we need to talk a little bit of what happens when vampires come our way. What do we do when we have critical people? Well, to bring this up, I wanted to talk a little bit about planking. Does anyone know what planking is? Not walking the plank, that's what uh, pirates do. Planking is something you do when working out. Um, It is a move uh, demonstrated here where you try to Hold this as long as you can, and you will feel it in your core and lower back. You hold it as long as you can, but what is happening is that pressure is mounting. You will eventually feel it in those abs and that lower back, and so you have to endure that pressure as long as you can. Now, for some of you, that's 30 seconds. For some of you, that's one minute. For some of you, I know Navy SEAL background, three minutes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I know you amazing love people are strong and ripped. Way to go. Planking is enduring pressure. And I consider how many arenas we are good at enduring pressure. Not just in working out, but there are some people who can work a 10 or a 12 hour day and execute so well, you're you're good at enduring those long days. But I need to ask you how well are you at dealing with the pressure of difficult people? What is your breaking point? Is it one bad comment? Three, thirty? Because the Word of God would would tell us today, I believe, to, to bear up under the pressure of critical people. To bear up when things aren't going so well or so easy. Scripture once again said, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, if anyone has a complaint against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you so we need to talk maybe about three ways how we can get better at bearing up are you ready number one the first thing is you bear up under this pressure is to overlook an offense to overlook the wisest man who ever lived Solomon uh, he, he wrote in Proverbs a person's wisdom yields patience it's to one's glory to overlook an offense We actually have a theme song for this one. The theme song comes from the movie Frozen, and it's called Let It Go. Let it go, let it go. Don't hold on to it anymore. Let it go, let it go. Don't respond, but close that door, meaning your mouth. That's your theme song. And this would make many situations better. There are certain things that just don't need to be said or talked about. There are things you can let go. Now, what might those examples be? We live in a realm where there are Facebook battles and blogs, a lot of social media comments going back and forth. I think you have the right to let something go if you know that person doesn't know you or doesn't care about you. If they don't know or care about you, you do not have to let those comments sink in. They can be like water off a seal's back. Let that go. I think also when it comes to people who you know are having a bad day. Have you ever spotted that, like you know when someone is just off? It might be a good idea not to let every word they say sink into your system. It might be okay to say, wow, they're having a really bad day, so not everything they're saying is going to be appropriate and or true. There are certain things that we need to let go. There's also this realm called projection. When people are mad about something, and and it's not really about you, but you're there, and so they project their beef onto you because you're the closest in proximity. These things are wise. It's to your glory to let them go. What else should we do if you're taking notes? Number two, to answer gently. Now to talk about this one, I need to bring up a, a new favorite meal, which is ribs. Anyone like ribs? And uh, one of our members uh, had us over and had uh, slow-cooked ribs in in, in the crock pot, and and they were phenomenal. So I uh, stole that recipe, thank you so much, and I have been working on my slow-cooked ribs uh, the last few weeks. And uh, they are delicious. They are fall off the bone. Um, But one of the things I recognize working with a slow cooker is after it's been on for five or eight hours, if you're going to clean it, you do not pick it up right when it's done, right when you took the ribs out. If you do that, you're going to burn your fingers. You might deal with some grease. You're going to wait for that slow cooker to cool off. Where I'm going with this is people can make us heated like this bowl. (laughs) One word, one comment, and we are there. What I believe is best is if you cool off. If you take some time not to... Respond emotionally, but, but collect yourself and calm yourself so that you can answer gently. So that you can explain it in a logical way, not just an emotional way, and respond with gentleness. Solomon, once again, refers to this when he says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word can stir up anger. You know, when people say stuff about us, it, it would be e- easy to have verbal fisticuffs. You had a low blow, let me give you a lower blow. Better is to collect yourself. Maybe respond tomorrow and say, I'm sorry, you know, I do have things to work on. This was my fault. And maybe if it's beneficial to say, but I do believe it takes two to tango." and let's talk about both sides. That's different than verbal fisticuffs, isn't it? To answer gently. But the biggest thing we do, and the hardest thing we do, is to forgive it immediately. To forgive it immediately. That is what God is calling us to. And why do we forgive? Do we forgive because they deserve it? No, we forgive because of Jesus. When do we forgive? Do we forgive when it feels good to forgive? When when, when it feels like the right thing to do? No, no, we Forgiveness is a choice. It's not an emotion. You can forgive something immediately, even if you have to wait for your emotions to cool down. Even if you wonder, you know, should I respond or not? Forgiveness is the hardest, but is the best thing that God calls us to when we love one another. Now, in the course of this dialogue, can we break it down and just be real? Can we do that, family? Do any of us get this all right? Have you uh, seen that maybe in some of this dialogue you have some critical nature in you? You've levied maybe a fair or unfair one. You know how to be critical. In this dialogue, have you recognized sometimes we don't respond very well, not appropriately? That that old man, that former self comes up all too often? Man, what I recognize is how much we have to go. We're all sinful and lost if not for the grace of God. And so can I tell you something better? Better than your marching orders today is how Jesus marched for you. See, Jesus, he is the epitome of patience. And he has such a fierce love that he would not break no matter the pressure. That love was seen when soldiers were nailing him to a cross and he answered gently. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We saw it on his way to the cross in the kangaroo court where people were levying insults against him. And, and Peter writes, look at this, we, we considered it, when they hurled insats all to him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And Jesus did this for our salvation so that vampires could be set free from all their vampirish activity, for all their draining activity, and we need that. We have a God who doesn't overlook offenses. We have a God who washes them away so that we are spotless and we are clean. And I want you to know, again, if you're visiting, if you're new to Amazing Love of Christianity, God has this fierce love for you. And we are saved, not again because of how we loved, but how he loved us first. This is the gospel. It's the reason I woke up. But wouldn't it be cool to be a little bit more like Jesus? Jesus. Thanking him for what he has done. For Jesus, I mean, think of how many criticisms he could have had against us. He could have had a list a mile long, but he doesn't use it. In fact, can I share with you a story that he told? In this story that he told, he references someone with a million problems, but actually, there were a million debts. He references someone who was so in debt he could not pay it back. It was a large amount. We don't know if it was a million. It could be more. But he had no way of paying this debt back. Now, in that culture, if you were a debtor, they could actually throw you into jail. They could sell your family as slaves. It was a rough deal. They couldn't just declare bankruptcy. But this master did something crazy. As a servant walked in one day and asked, Would you please forgive my million? He said, yes. He said, you can go. And you think of how awesome that must have been for him. He could go back and kiss his wife and hug his kids and say, we're free. He would go to work not having that debt hanging over him. He, he could just work for his own pleasure and, and pay the normal bills. This is great. It must be awesome. In fact, what he felt, I think, is described in verse 15. Can you look at verse 15 with me? Turn back to the lesson. There it says, So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. That servant, these servants, we have the right to peace because of our master who forgave those debts and set us free. And so, you know what the proper response is? The final takeaway is to let peace rule. Do you know what I recognize about critical people? Guess who they are most critical with? Themselves. The reason they get so upset over someone else is because they have been so accustomed of condemning themselves. And so when we let first that peace reign in us, knowing that we stand in grace and that he sees no spot or stain, it is then that we can extend gladly that forgiveness and peace to other people. It is then that we avoid being a vampire, handling vampires in the wrong way. Man, may God so bless us to first and foremost forgive. May God so bless us to let certain things go. May he bless us to answer gently and appropriately. And most of all, may he bless us with love, which is the major category of any Christian, the way that we are lights in this world. May he bless you with a spirit of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.